over these last couple of weeks, we have seen several men of prominence taken down because they used their position of leadership to abuse or harass other people. And these revelations have been coming out. So you had the most powerful man in Hollywood at one time who is now utterly disgraced. The whole world knows his name and associates it with terrible behavior. A popular actor who is an Academy Award winner is now out of a job and he's in treatment. Even a former president's image has been tarnished, and we could probably add other people to the list. What do these revelations tell us about positions of leadership and prominence? It's a dangerous place to be. It's a dangerous place to be because of our sinful hearts, our fallen nature. We can end up using people instead of serving them. That's what Jesus is warning about here in the gospel reading. In this gospel, Jesus is taking down the religious elite of his day. And he is saying these things in the final week of his life. He knows that he is about to complete his mission to die for the sins of the world, to die for our sins and the sins of the world, to be raised on the third day, to ascend to his father, and then his disciples are going to have to take over leadership. And so he's pointing his disciples to the status quo in terms of religious leadership in their day, and he's saying, don't be like them. Don't go down that road. Now this passage, Matthew 23, the entire chapter, is very relevant for people like me who wear the collar. And for anybody who's ordained to Christian ministry or anybody who is considering being ordained to Christian ministry, Matthew 23 is an important passage for us to study and to apply to our lives. But I think that this passage is also relevant for any Christian in any leadership position. Vestry members, small group leaders, teachers, Coaches, supervisors, bosses, uh, even parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles can learn from these principles that Jesus gives us here about Christian leadership. So let's take a look at what Jesus says here. Some principles for Christian leadership based on Matthew 23 and the passage that we just read. First of all, a Christian leader, with God's grace, by God's grace, will strive to practice what he or she professes. A Christian leader will strive to practice what he or she professes. Jesus says this about the scribes and the Pharisees. Do and observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do, for they preach, but they don't practice. They preach, but they don't practice. Notice Jesus says, now when they're sitting on Moses' seat, that is when they're teaching you what Moses says, when they're teaching you the Mosaic law, do what they tell you. Why? Because when they teach Moses, they're teaching the word of God. But there was a problem. There was a gap between 
their words and their walk, their words and their deeds. And a Christian leader will seek, with the help of God and only by the grace of God, to close that gap as much as possible. And that certainly has to be true for Christian ministers. I went back and I looked at the ordinal. I looked at the ordination service for a priest. And uh, at one point, the charge is given to a priest. It will be your task to proclaim by word and deed, by word and deed, the gospel of Jesus Christ and to fashion your life in accordance with its precepts. Fashion your life in accordance with its precepts. For a deacon, you are to model your life upon Holy Scripture, the ordinal says, and make Christ known by your word and example. And so a congregation has every right to hold the priest and the deacons, the ordained ministers, accountable for the way they live their life. It ought to be, we don't do it perfectly, but it ought to be according to the scriptures. Well, I think that that principle, though, of living out what you profess is so important for all of us, whether we're ordained or not. In our reading from Thessalonians, Paul encourages and exhorts the believers there to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, worthy of God, he says, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. I think one of the greatest influences that we can have for the next generation, parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, is to live out our faith, the faith that we profess in our everyday lives. I think that will have the greatest impact. When people began to see, when our family members see that we take our faith seriously at home and we model it at home and in our everyday lives. Today at the Eucharist, in honor of All Saints Day, we're going to be reading the names of people who've gone before us. And as we think about the influence that they've had in our life, I think most of us would say it wasn't so much their words, although words are extremely important. I'm in the word business. I believe in words and the power of words. But it wasn't so much their words or primarily their words. It was the way they lived their life the way they treated people, the way they treated us, that had the greatest impact. So this is a very important principle. We have to, as leaders, practice what we preach by God's grace and with his help. And then the second principle I see here is a Christian leader must not be an authoritarian. The model is not a dictator. There's nothing wrong with authority. You have to have authority to get anything done. And anybody who's taught a classroom, we have teachers here or any sort of supervisory role, knows how important authority is. The, the root word of authority is to authorize, to author. You have to have authority to get things done. But it's authoritarianism that Jesus is warning against here. He criticizes the religious leaders of his day for tying up heavy burdens, hard to bear, laying them on people's shoulders. The image I have is you know, putting a backpack on somebody and filling it with stones and saying, okay, now march up that hill or else. They're burdened down. And the burdens that these religious authorities in Jesus' day were placing on people were legalistic rules, extra-biblical commands. 
Mark chapter 7, verse 7, Jesus calls them traditions taught by men as commandments of God. In other words, they were replacing their, they were adding to the teaching of Scripture with their own rules, and those rules were a burden to the average, everyday layperson to try to keep these rules. But from their position of authority, these religious leaders could say, if you really want to please God, if you really want to be righteous, then you have to follow these extra rules that we're giving to you. And it was a burden. So Jesus is criticizing authority that's exercised without compassion. He says they weren't willing to lift a finger to help. Authority exercised without compassion. And then authority that takes the place of God. These were heavy burdens, rules of men, being taught as commandments of God. And so we have to watch out for that. We never want to take the place of God in another person's life. I remember one time I was preaching, not in this church, but in another church, in the previous church. I was preaching on Paul's letter to the Galatians, which is all about freedom and the freedom that we have in Christ because we're no longer under the law. As I'm preaching, this, this woman, I, I, I saw her becoming more and more burdened physically. And um, she just looked like she was a living example of what uh, Jesus is talking about here. She was bearing some heavy burdens, and she just seemed so heavy and downcast. I thought I was preaching a sermon about liberation and freedom. But then after the sermon, she came up and she shared a little bit with me. She shared her story. And come to find out, she was in a church environment that was very legalistic. She had to dress a certain way, and especially at church, she had to dress a certain way. And there were other rules and regulations that she had to follow. And her husband at home reinforced these rules. And she said to me, I want to believe what you're preaching here. I want to know this freedom of the gospel. But she said, I'm trapped, and I can't get out. So I prayed for her for quite some time. I never saw her again. But whenever I come across this passage, I think about that woman because I've seen the effects that that kind of authoritarian religion can have on people's lives. So as Christians, we're not going to, we ought not to adopt that style as leaders. We never want to seek to replace God in another person's life. We have one father, the same father. We are all brothers. We are fellow travelers, fellow sinners, redeemed by the grace of God. And so we won't adopt this authoritarian, or we ought not to adopt an authoritarian style of leadership. And then the third principle I see here is a Christian leader will not seek the trappings of prominence, positions of, of honor and titles of distinction. We, we should not clamor after such things. Jesus criticizes the religious leaders of his day for showing off their piety in the way that they dress. They make their phylacteries broad. Now, phylacteries were these leather boxes, and inside these leather boxes were scriptures. There was nothing wrong with having these leather boxes on their arm, but Jesus is saying they tried to outdo each other in terms of how big the phylacteries were. And they make their fringes long. So I don't know how that worked. Maybe, oh, there's, there's Rabbi Joseph. He has 8-inch fringes on his robe. Maybe I need to go up to 12 inches to show how pious I am. Uh, Jesus criticizes that kind of 
clamoring for, standing out for your piety, trying to gain prominence. He criticizes them for going after seats of honor. He criticizes them for clamoring after titles of distinction, rabbi, father, instructor. By the way, people ask, often ask me, what should I call you? And uh, if you use any title, it's a title of distinction, I think. I don't think we can completely do away with titles as a matter of social convention. Uh, and I don't think in and of themselves are necessarily wrong. But some people will say, should I call you reverend? And uh, that means one who's worthy of reverence. I don't think I'm worthy of reverence, but I understand that title as a social convention. Father or pastor. I tell people it really doesn't matter to me what you call me. Um, whatever you're comfortable with. But I don't want people to put me on a pedestal because I know what God does when you're put on a pedestal. He has a way of knocking it out from underneath of you. And I don't want him to do that. So we want to be a church where Jesus is exalted. Jesus is put at the center. Jesus is put at the front. And we're all servants of him, including myself. We're all serving Jesus together and the message of the gospel together. We're exalting him. We're worshiping him. We're pointing people to the savior of the world. We don't want to become somebody's substitute for that. So we have to resist these positions or this clamoring after prominence. If God wants to exalt people to that place, then that's what he will do in his own time and his own way. What do you think Jesus would say today to pastors if he were here. He wouldn't be talking about phylacteries and phylacteries and fringes, would he? Maybe he would be talking about social media. Maybe he would be saying to pastors or about some pastors, they hire ghostwriters for their books and they hire media consultants to create a media empire. And you shouldn't go down necessarily that road. It's difficult in this media-saturated culture to resist the allure of prominence and position. Social media. You know, um, we had an interesting experience, as some of you know, at the Wagner household this week. A deer crashed into our living room through our window, and everybody was okay, thanks be to God, because it really is miraculous with all this glass and a deer in the house that nobody got hurt. But the police department came, and then the animal control came, and they got the deer out. Uh, it was, I can tell you more about it if you want to know more details. Or I can send you to my Facebook page. Um, <laughs> but, you know, once this story got out, the police department contacts me and says, well, can we share this on our Facebook? And then the news called us. And Rocky Madden, if you know who that is, for Channel 2 News, Fox News, shows up at our door at night and wants to do an interview. And uh, so we did an interview with Rocky Madden, the 10 o'clock news. All of us, except I don't think Grace got in there, but the rest of us were interviewed. And uh, afterwards, you should have heard us. We all turned into media divas for just a, a few minutes. It was like, how did I look? How did I sound? Who's going to play me in the movie when it comes out? Why didn't we make the bed? You know, that was a big question we asked. You know, but, but you know, it, it was just an interesting experience because it, media just 
focus you right away on yourself and how do you look and how did you come across and it can inflate your ego and uh, we have to watch out for that you know what ego stands for edging God out edging God out leaders have to watch out for the trappings of prominence so uh, then there's a positive vision that Jesus gives his disciples and this is the vision of servant leadership the greatest among you shall be your servant Whoever exalts himself will be humbled by God. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever is humbled will be exalted. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So a servant leader says, I'm going to use my position, my influence to serve other people, not for my own ends. A servant leader trusts God to exalt them, to put them in positions of greater influence or authority when it is the will of God to do so, if it is the will of God to do so. But the principle that Jesus teaches over and over to his disciples, he said, don't learn your leadership lessons from the Roman rulers. Don't learn your leadership lessons from the religious elite. In the kingdom of God, greatness is not measured by how many people are serving you and how well they're serving you. In the kingdom of God, greatness is measured about... Uh, is related to how many people you serve and how well you serve other people for the glory of God. You know, I'm told that, um, that when King George III heard that George Washington was declining the title of king or emperor, King George III said, if he does that, he's one of the greatest people ever to live. If he can walk away from that kind of power, that's a sign of true greatness. Even in the world, we recognize that, don't we? Even outside the church, it's recognized that greatness is really not about serving yourself. It's about serving others. So Jesus is teaching us here, pastors, vestry members, teachers, bosses, supervisors, mom, dad, grandparents, aunts, uncles. If you have influence in anybody's life, Jesus is saying, leverage that for the good of others. Use your position of influence and leadership to serve others. It's for your good, so you don't get puffed up with pride. It's for the good of others, and it's for the glory of God. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are the greatest example of sacrificial service and your life sets the pattern that we by your grace ought to follow as Paul says you did not consider even equality with God something to grasp but you emptied yourself and took the form of a servant and suffered death for our sake even death on the cross for us Help us to trust your way of leading. Help us to trust your way of influencing others. Give us greater humility and dependence upon you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.